Now after the wise men had left, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. Matthew chapter 2, verse 13. I'm Chris Dowd. And I'm Reagan Gilliland. And this is Off Script, a podcast where every week we take a deeper dive on last Sunday's sermon, talk about the theology behind it, and get a chance to discuss anything that ended up on the cutting room floor. And we are talking today about Advent 4 and a dark part of the story. A wee bit. Yes. This is one that Reagan preached on last week Yeah. in Modern. Mm-hmm. What did you say? Modern. <laughs> Max, when he was little, he used to say pattern instead of pattern. Oh. And so pattern so cute it was super cute yeah i love this <laughs> and then for sam it was uh instead of he couldn't say skunk so he said snook <laughs> it's snook. snook so great there was some some little book that we had and you know we did the thing where we read a page they read a page and every time we got to skunk he said snook my little brother loved road runners but he couldn't say road runner he said run roaders <laughs> I just saw Run Rotor. Close enough. It's a, it's a road runner. No, I saw a Run, a run Rotor. I think his way is harder to say. It is harder. It we is. also called uh, Red Lobster Crab Munchers. Okay. Um, so was that like a nice day out for the... Yeah. Not the Danners. We called the Halls. Yeah, I think halls. we went like twice. That's what's funny is he must have gone with someone else too. It was a core memory though. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Yes. Core memory. Good <laughs> The only time I ever went to Red Lobster as a kid was with my great-grandparents. Yeah. And it was for some holiday. I mean, I'm sure it was something like that. Mm-hmm. I actually think you're right. I think we went with my grandparents one time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this time of year is good for going out and having, you know, like, eating out with family while you're here, while they're in town or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Yep. All right. Let's well, just talk about food. Yeah. That would be better than the topic for today because it's, a dark, it's, we're, a, we're being it's a dark one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, true story. So, I went through on uh, Saturday night the sermon with Whitney like I always do and she's like you gotta lighten that up <laughs> like yeah, I had a second story about Herod that I'll probably tell at some point in this podcast and I used uh, I, I, well, there were a couple times where I talked about uh, I used the word murder yeah. um, because that's what it yeah. is but yeah. but it like there's ways to soften it mm-hmm. with, like alluding to it without actually saying it yeah. and that way if the, you know kids are in the congregation and they're just kind of half paying attention then they don't hear the word murder children sleeping with the fishes <laughs> A week before how do Christmas. You, how, do you, how do you soften murder? Does it, just, it become progressively uh, more mob-like? Is no, it? no, no, no. So I, I change it to a euphemism. So somebody who's willing to do terrible things in order gotcha. to hold on to power. Gotcha, gotcha, yeah. gotcha. I mean, seriously, that's a, that's a little peek behind the curtain. <laughs> yeah. Well, with that, we're going to pivot real fast. Yeah. So what do you have left to do on your Christmas to-do list? <laughs> before we get to the children murdering. Yeah. Murder. Um, we have family coming in town like we always do. So, of course, that means cleaning the house. But um, I fixed my inflatables last night. We have, we live on a very windy lot, and they had Santa had come dislodged, so I had to unplug him for a couple of days. So I had time to go out there and fix it. So I'm excited about that. All of our Christmas gifts are purchased. A couple last wrapping nice. things. The boys are going to be at Scott's tonight, so Whit and I can wrap that up. That's that's exciting. I mean, obviously the Christmas Eve sermon, some last notes of the year, and all that. How about you? Um, let's see. I just need to wrap stuff mainly. Mm-hmm. 
but I think I've got all the shopping done. My husband, of course, is like, I should probably do some shopping this week. I was like, yeah, probably should. <laughs> <laughs> so I love Christmas morning. Um, I guess Scott is great, but like he doesn't do a lot of shopping for the kids, so it is a surprise to him. <laughs> Christmas morning, all, all four kids. <laughs> yeah. surprised on Christmas morning. Just like, oh, that's what we got the kids. Yeah, that's what we got. <laughs> so it's funny. So, uh, but but Christmas is on the my least favorite day this year. Yeah, Sunday. Mm-hmm. It's a little rough. So, like, what time do your kids get up on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day? It depends. So Andy will be good. She's a rule follower, so I think. <laughs> Jude will get up probably early, and I think she'll probably bring him into her room, and they can play mm-hmm. yeah. until I think we can maybe hold them off till six. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So you'll cool. have a chance to open everything before y'all come up. Yes. For worship. Yeah. So if, in case anybody doesn't know, it's Reagan and I doing worship on Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. She's preaching because mm-hmm. I will preach at six thirty and then eleven Christmas Eve at eleven p.m. Christmas Eve. Uh-huh. Okay. So, yeah, it's going to be, uh, we'll get here. It'll be fine. Are you done with the sermon? Um, yeah, I've totally started that. Mm-hmm. No, I, that's today. After this. All right, that's fair. That's <laughs> but I've been ruminating. Like, I've been thinking away. about yeah, of course. it. I picked the scripture. And that's kind of how I. Well, of course you picked. The, the scripture is picked for you. You're, sure, you're, you're reading Luke 2, right? No, I'm doing like an Isaiah one. <laughs> So there's I picked, that. I picked the scripture. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, um, are you really doing the Isaiah, uh, Isaiah one? Yeah. I guess it's Christmas Day. Yeah. That's wow. That's like liturgical jail. I'm calling Mark Stom. Okay. I'm going to ask him about this. It was it was one of the options. Mark Stom was a professor of Word and Worship at Perkins School of Theology. Yeah. That both of us took. One of us paid more attention in clearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I skipped that class. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I yeah. So I'll get that done this week. Mm-hmm. Okay, so we. Okay, so we're wrapping up. We've wrapped up Advent. What has been your favorite sermon, you think, in this, this sequence, do you think? Hmm. So the, okay, so the title's Heavenly Peace, mm-hmm. an Advent sermon series. Mm-hmm. It's about Emmanuel, which is Matthew's thing. Um, my favorite week's probably Lessons of Carols. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but favorite sermon, you know, I don't know. Um, I feel like they've all had a place, you know. Like, I don't have any that I would redo. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. What about you? And I mean, like, <laughs> I don't mean which of my sermons did yeah. you like the which best. What I mean is, really like, of the, of the three weeks, I mean, like, what do you think is most important? I don't know. I mean, I think the prophecy is always interesting. Um, the, I mean, this past week, wow, it was a hard scripture focusing on the promise and what it means. I think there's, after you get over the... <laughs> the kind of awful scene mm-hmm. like what it really means i think it's is really powerful um yeah so yeah um so once you move set up the scripture why do we keep saying oh it's a hard scripture tell us what's happening yeah so uh this is, it's in matthew's gospel obviously and it's um after the wise men story and i think you know just the casual maybe cultural christian doesn't realize that that story take, actually takes place a couple of years after his birth probably yeah. So, you know, Jesus is a toddler. Um, they are still in Bethlehem. And what's it, so here's what ended up on the cutting room floor. There's a, they tell, so Matthew and Luke, while they share many common traits, the virgin birth um, from, from before his birth, uh, the Messiah, echoes of the incarnation, probably, you know, it's more obvious in John than these two. But, you know, it's clear that he's um, been marked since before his birth 
to be the Messiah. And in Christian theology, we believe he's the incarnation of God. If you only have Mark's gospel, you would he, he picks up the story at his baptism. Mm -hmm. Doesn't tell us anything about that. So for Luke, I mean, so why does why why is Jesus born in Bethlehem in Luke? Not not a pop quiz. City of David. Right, right, right. But what? But what caused them because to go to the Bethlehem? Census. The census, right? Yeah. So they're living in Nazareth, Nazareth already, and they are, they have to go to Bethlehem just for the census. Just it's coincidental yeah. that he's in Bethlehem when she's ready to deliver him. Mm -hmm. Well, in Matthew's gospel, he's, he pretty much seems to be from Bethlehem, right? Because he's born in Bethlehem and he's there two years later. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so he ends up in Nazareth. Nazareth, gosh, Lazarus, Nazareth, Nazareth, um, because he was afraid of one of Herod's sons, according yes. to the story we read today. Yeah. So it's it's interesting that they. It is confusing, and I don't think I really noticed that until this series that I'm like, because Matthew says in that to fulfill prophecy that he'll be called a Nazarene or whatever. Yeah. Because I think in our minds we're like, oh, Joseph, they all started in Nazareth uh -huh. and they went to Bethlehem. Uh -huh. But then you're like, wait, actually. Well, that's the power of Luke's story. Yeah. Right? And so, that's the one we always tell. Yeah. I mean, that's one we've heard all of our lives. That the only reason that they're in Bethlehem is because of the census. But Matthew, Matthew doesn't portray it that way. No. So um, so he's born in Bethlehem. Obviously, there's messianic ties to being from Bethlehem. And obviously, Joseph's in the line of David. I mean, mm -hmm. all these things have to have to be true. And then the Magi show up. I love that story so much. I mean, there's so much going on in the story of the Magi. We don't, we don't, but we tell it on Epiphany, mm -hmm. <laughs> right? And so we did things out of order because we were trying to uh, give a full picture of the way Matthew tells the story. And in order to do that, you've got to take some liberties. So we told the story of his birth earlier, like in the in the lectionary, that story is supposed to be Advent four mm -hmm. for obvious reasons. But I wanted to make sure we got to this story. So the Magi. Go to, go to Herod, and they say, hey, we've seen a star that uh, indicates that the king of the Jews has been born. And Herod, who's a complete sociopath, mm -hmm. I know that's a technical term, so I sh maybe I shouldn't use that. Mm. I mean, he was, he, he had Maniac. issues. Maniac. Yeah. A tyrant willing to do anything to hold on to power. Says, oh, well, make sure you tell me when you find him. I don't know why he didn't send people to follow the Magi, but whatever. He's not a very smart tyrant. So uh, the Magi um, have a warning that they should not go back to Herod, having been warned in a dream, right? There's a lot of dreams in this these first couple of chapters. And so um, they ditch. They just leave. They find, the, they find the baby. They present their gifts. Off they go. So when Herod discovers that they left without telling him where the baby is, he loses his mind euphemism mm -hmm. <laughs> i keep looking at ashley because mm -hmm. her yeah. her husband's in the mental health field <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we try to be very precise with our language around stuff yeah, like this yeah be careful it's good. So, yes yes words matter mm -hmm. so he he uh becomes incensed <laughs> see what oh. i did there magi oh. gosh what word can i use he uh he becomes outraged there you go. in the coventry carol herod's mm -hmm. raging yeah uh that they left without telling him and so he orders the death of every child aged two and under. Every in, male. Every male, right? Uh, every male or I think every it's child. every child. Jeez. Um, yeah. He sent and killed all the children in and around Bethlehem who were two years old and younger. Okay. You're thinking of Pharaoh. Okay. Um, according to the time he had learned from the wise men. That's why we think he, Jesus was probably two. 
Um, now, there's no historical evidence this happened, by the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, this could be Matthew's way of getting Jesus to Nazareth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, you know, who, who knows? Yeah. Because there probably would have been some other historical record. But the story as it's told is that the, uh, the tyrant ruling over, quote-unquote, the Jews during that time was willing to do anything to hold on to power, including mm-hmm. murder a bunch of children, mm-hmm. which um, Pharaoh had done the same thing. So there, there's all these echoes of between Moses and Jesus. And so we, you know, we skipped those specific verses, um, and I, I made the point in the sermon that, I mean, I honestly don't know how many people ever hear a sermon on this. Because number one, it's not great material for families, mm-hmm. right? It's very dark. Yeah. And also, it's the recommended text for the Sunday after Christmas. So mm-hmm. a lot of people aren't in church, I hate to say it, for the Sunday after Christmas because they're traveling or whatever. Mm-hmm. And then even if they are, I don't know a preacher who would put it in that Sunday. Right. Right. <laughs> This will On get the him. seventh day of Christmas, yeah. <laughs> we read about the killing up to you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So um, so what happens is the Holy Family goes, becomes refugees. There's a whole justice sermon in there mm-hmm. to Egypt. And then when Herod dies, um, God appears again in a dream, says it's safe to go home. But Joseph realizes that Herod's son, Archelaus, who does not have a great reputation, is now ruling in Judea, uh, around Jerusalem, and so he goes to Nazareth, uh, Nazareth instead. And the story I left out was in my Advent devotional. I mean, it was in originally, and when he's looking at me, like, oh my gosh, that's terrible. So Herod knew he was despised. Now, he had an incredible reputation for building. Mm-hmm. Like, he was, he left his mark mm-hmm. in terms of architecture on his kingdom, and he ruled for a long time. But he knew he was despised. So when he was on his deathbed, he ordered all of the elites of the city to come to the Hippodrome. And when they showed up, he had the gates locked behind them and he executed them all. So that when he died, there would be grief throughout the city. I do remember reading that. He also, like, he killed, like, his wife and kids, right? Oh, yeah. He did all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like, you think of Ivan the Terrible. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, that, it's that level of, yeah. of, I mean, I don't know that we can say insanity. Mm-hmm. It's, that, it's that level of evil. Right, yeah. It's very Game of Thrones. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'll take your word for that. Um, <laughs> that. That one's too dark for me. I never yeah. watched Game of Thrones. Um, exactly. But it's interesting what I read is like Herod, like why he, like he really, it was interesting, like he didn't have all the power, you know, like people were still mm. over him, but yeah, like Rome, yet Rome he, yeah. right, but yet he still, mm. so like almost that, like I don't have enough power because I'm still ruled by someone else, so I'm going to mm. still do all, like very, uh, complex and yeah insane person but and so surely matthew would have known the story about herod's deathbed execution of everybody of all these people yeah and so you know it's certainly not outside the realm of possibility that he did something this what horrific. scripture said yeah yeah oh that's crazy i had never heard that one yeah he just, yeah wanted to make sure everyone well because <laughs> like, wow. especially like you said chris and he's Christmas stories, you kind of gloss over some of these details, and mostly what you just say is like, "Take it from me, Herod was a bad guy." <laughs> right? It's like we don't want to get into it, but no, like when you get into it, yeah. there was a very scary dude out looking for Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the thing is, and I own it. I'm the same way. Like this year, this time of year, I want to focus on like there's just not that many times of the year when you just focus on goodness and light and joy and wonder, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't want to depart from that. But the reality is. An unwed teenage mother 
had a baby. Uh, they could have gotten her executed. Mm-hmm. Uh, not, uh, what's the word? Death penalty. Um, in a barn. <laughs> yeah. And the first people to say hello were the ex-cons who were working in the fields. Mm-hmm. And w- even when the, the rich guys from the east showed up, his own, the leader of his own people wanted him dead. Like, mm-hmm. there's just a lot going on in the story that I think connects... That well, I, that sets the stage for his ministry and his death and his resurrection, and uh, it's right here in the beginning. And we, it's hard to talk about it. Mm-hmm. It's just hard to talk about it because of what we would prefer the season to be. Yeah. Um. So what part? So where in your sermon did you realize that my sermon was better? Did, <laughs> was it the beginning? The, no, okay. Um, okay. So I want to read something from your. So you did talk about. I, fin- I guess I submitted your evaluation, but I can still, <laughs> I can still revise it. <laughs> um, okay, you did mention so December fourteenth. We're not going to dwell on this, but was the anniversary of Sandy Hook. So you kind of yeah, talked man. about that, that darkness, and that ha- has continues to hang over us as, as a nation. Um, so you write this, and for me, since that awful day in twenty twelve, every December fourteenth has been an annual reminder. That even during this wonderful time of year, as people of faith, we are called to live as witnesses of Christ in the world as it is, as opposed to the world as we wish it would be. Which means that during Advent, it's important to ask ourselves what the stories of this season have to teach us about our responsibility as disciples in the face of darkness and tragedy. So, And you know what? I actually edited that. I sent you the unedited manuscript. Oh, so, no, the last line. Okay. Um, because there's two ways to talk about this. There's, you can talk about what our response to that should be. Mm-hmm. And that could be a whole social justice sermon yeah. about advocacy. And we could have gotten into guns at that point. I mean, there's a whole lot we could have talked about. But what I, I, I changed it just a little bit. What the stories of the season have to teach us about the darkness and the tragedy in the world. Because part of that's our responsibility. Mm-hmm. But then part of it, that's not really the focus of the sermon series. The sermon, mm-hmm. sermon series is really focused on how God is with us even out in our own tragedies. Mm-hmm. So I came back to it a little bit at the end and talked about we, we have to be aware of the suffering of others. We have to serve where we can and give what we're able and uh, advocate when we should. Mm-hmm. So I kind of alluded to it yeah. so as not to be not to ignore it, mm-hmm. but then came back to the more individual stuff. Yeah. You know, because you look out in the congregation and, I mean, we are have this awesome privilege as pastors to know what's going on with people a lot of the time and um you know whether it's a teacher who for whom december 14th is a i mean not a teacher in sandy hook but any teacher is aware of these dates and yeah. probably is part of groups that you know yeah. advocate for change and that kind of thing yeah. um and so no, but they, it could be that it could be um somebody dealing with a mental illness or or a diagnosis or a recent death or financial hardship I mean, there's lots of ways that this season people can feel left out this season because everyone is supposed to be happy and joyful yeah and um so i mean i was really trying to make the point in the sermon that i do know better than that i mean that, that's how i'm going to show up most of the time because that's just what i want, choose to do this time here but um it's important to acknowledge that there's uh a variety of um, experiences people are having this time of year. Yeah. No, I appreciate this, sermon because, yeah, you didn't 
Dwana, because you could have easily made this sermon really like, mm, like really, like people would have left like really discouraged. <laughs> like there is awful things in the world. Oh my gosh. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, I think it's really great that you, um, it's just good to bring light to some things, even at least to mention it because it's the whole ignoring mm-hmm. how the church has just like kind of done a disservice by pretending things are all great, mm-hmm. grand and joyful, just like, um, even like bringing to light, like it's okay to go to therapy. It's okay to go to counseling. Like it's, you know, because people don't drop their grief off on the first day of Advent. Like, okay, I'll get to that in January. Like, um, and it's interesting that you're using the metaphor of light. Cause that's the one that I came back to. Yeah. Right. I mean, the, the, the whole point of Christmas lights, traditionally speaking, is that the light shines in the darkness and the darkness did not overcome it. Mm-hmm. And that that God is with us even in our darkest moments. Yeah. Um, and so it gave me a chance to come back to the first Sunday of Advent, the hanging of the greens, the reason we do that. And yeah, I felt, I felt good about where we yeah. ended up. Yeah, and you talk about how it's um, we don't have the luxury to ignore reality. Yeah, it's not is. fair. Yeah. Right? It's not fair. It's not fair as a family of faith to pretend that everything is all right for everyone. And so if it, if that's if it's not, then we have to make space for those other experiences. I mean, I've done two really tough funerals this mm-hmm. season, past couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. I mean, older folks, though, I mean, who one of whom battled an illness for a long time and um, one of whom died kind of suddenly. And both yeah. of them were very well known in the church. And, um, you know, so you do the you do a funeral in the sanctuary that's all decorated for Christmas, yeah. which it can seem incongruous at first until you realize the theology of the season, which is that God is with us. So it's okay. Like all of these, all of these lights remind us, for instance, to use the light thing that, um, that we're going to be okay one way or the other. And that even if we're not in the moment, God's with us. Mm -hmm. Emmanuel. Yeah. It's really good. Matthew's good, Mm -hmm. but I much prefer Luke's story. I know. (laughs) And Mark comes in a distant fourth. It makes the miracle more real for me, I think, because it's really hard in our everyday life to like, we, we just like chase after these perfect starlight nativity moments where all is calm and all is bright and everything's good. And, and it causes you to like sell everything you're getting short because you're looking for this perfect story. But then when you include Herod and you include the fear and you include probably people walking through the streets and you know this idea of like everything was amazing and cool but everything was not perfect they you know if the story had wanted to it could have dwelled on how imperfect it was and yeah, it was sure. still a miracle so yeah have you ever seen the the movie the nativity yeah was that yeah it was, yeah. it's a while ago it's 20, yeah. 20 years old at this point it's really really good mm-hmm. really good mm-hmm. because it's realistic mm-hmm. <laughs> so it starts out with you get a real sense of the oppression of rome mm-hmm. Um, you get a real sense of the of the unspoken fear that really permeates the whole story, yeah. and this incredible faith of Mary and Joseph. Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just <laughs> it's a it's a realistic picture of um, what is a more complicated story than we often mm-hmm. give it credit for. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you said one thing. You said I liked um, in your sermon. You talked about what you say that cruelty in the midst of the glory. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah, it's the best story. It's the best story. It's like our most heartwarming story. And then there's just this, I mean, cruelty that's unimaginable. I mean, we just can't, I mean, none of us can 
and so you see where the obvious connection to Sandy Hook mm-hmm. came in. Like it, like it, things that should not be possible in the world yeah. if we all treat each other as human beings um, do and do in fact happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so, what's what does our faith tell us about that, and what does our faith expect of us? And I leaned more on the what does our faith tell us about God's role in it. Mm-hmm. Um, just you know, you have to make a choice on what you're going to focus on. So, I mean, now, did Sandy, we're, we're, we're 10 years ago. Were, were you in ministry yet? Yes. Yeah. So it was a year after Scott and I got married. So it was like, it was our first year of seminary. Okay. It would have been, yeah, that we would just would have wrapped up our first semester mm-hmm. of seminary. Um, but I remember being in, Can- I was in Kansas city mm-hmm. visiting my family and yeah, I remember mm-hmm. very distinct. Yeah. So yeah, that was, yeah. Awful. Yeah, man. And yeah. And it's just compounded by the fact we haven't done anything about it. <laughs> you know? So I did feel like compelled to say that too. Yeah. But um, I don't know. It, it just seemed like there was an obvious connection between the two, especially in the 10th anniversary. Mm-hmm. Uh, which was not, I mean, we didn't plan it that way, right? right? We just planned out the sermon series based on the texts that were important in the story and it just happened to be the week of the 10th anniversary. Let's see how that works. It is interesting how that works. Holy Spirit. Providence, you would say. Yeah. Um, okay, so you, you did talk about how Jesus' family, the Holy Family, were refugees. They escaped to Egypt. Can you talk about kind of the reverse sort with Egypt and our history with Egypt and all Yeah, that? I mean, so in the Old Testament, there are two significant events. One is the exodus, mm-hmm. <laughs> where we were brought out of slavery in Egypt, and one was the exile. And I mean, the, the Exodus um, moment or the Exodus story is when God's people became God's people. Before that, we were kind of all connected via Abraham's family. You know, it was a family story, a tribal story. And then all of a sudden it became not exactly a national story because that's a, that's a um, uh, what's the word? Is that? that would be anachronistic to call it a national story. But along those lines, I mean, on the way to being, in, you know, a kingdom and all that. So, um, for, I mean, the whole story of the Messiah is an unexpected story, right? I mean, it's uh, his whole ministry. Jesus will turn expectations on their head and it starts at the beginning where we go back to where we were in slavery. Mm -hmm. The, the one who would deliver us from slavery to sin and death goes back to where we were slavery and slavery originally. That's pretty powerful. It's pretty powerful symbolism, especially for a first century audience that was primarily Jewish Christians, which is what Matt, what we think Matthew's community was. So all throughout Matthew's gospel, he'll, Jesus um, kind of makes the we, – we get these connections between Jesus and Moses because Moses is the most important figure in the Old Testament by far in the, in the, in the founding of Israel, if you want to say that. Um, and so uh, – we would. It's just incredibly ironic um, that God will deliver us a second time out of Egypt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not not what anyone would have expected. No. And it and he's forced there by an oppressive and unjust Jewish king. After we get most most of the Old Testament is very hard on the kings of Israel, or Israel and Judah. Um. The very few of them are any good. And Herod's definitely not any not. good. He was on the naughty list. On the <laughs> not good list, for sure. Not on the nice list. Yeah. He's getting cold. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So in all that fear and all that danger and all all of this, 
the story? Why is why is this a story of, of, of a promise? Yeah, I mean, the promise is that God is with us no matter what. And so God was with God's son to deliver him, in this case, from danger, even though God, like the way, God doesn't act in the world to, you know, zap bad people before they do things. Although that would be great. It would be helpful. Yeah, I mean, if we could put a word in for that. Yeah. Uh, but that's not the way God works. And so, so uh, that's the promise is that God is with us always. And that's what I just wanted to keep coming back to throughout the, ser- the series. And that's a good, that's good news for people who are having Buddy the Elf Decembers mm-hmm. yeah. and people who just had to bury their husband. And for people who are battling, you know, some real dark stuff yeah. in, in their family life or, in, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, can you retell the ending of your sermon? It made me cry both times. <laughs> well, made me, it made me cry one I know. of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so it was, um, it was right before we moved to Henrietta. So it was 2009. And so I had been in, working in the church for six years or so. And you're it takes a while to develop a rhythm around that as an associate pastor. And then again, as a senior pastor, like it just takes a while to both honor your family's needs and the church's needs. So in some cases, the church's demands, right? I mean, this is, it's always, it's always a balancing act, but at Christmas, it's especially so because you want to make sure everybody, um, like, I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. I want my kids to love the church. I don't want my kids to resent the church. And because this is such an easy, uh, um, easy time of year to over-focus on stuff at work. Um, I don't know. It's a balancing act. So that's on my mind. I was also finalizing my ordination paperwork. Back in the day, it was a three-year residency. And so I was at the end of this, what had been a nine-year journey, and all the paperwork was done uh, or about to be done. And back in those days, you had to make copies of everything. You had to make 40 copies uh-huh. of every every answer, and there were 40 pages of writing. Yep. Anyway, it was a lot. And I had all the youth ministry stuff I was doing, and I had all the associate pastor stuff I was doing. I'm, I was preaching well, at least once that had been, I think. And um, so I was stressed. I had picked up Max. Uh, actually, he might have been home with me that day. And we were going to meet Whitney for dinner. And it was, you know, I was in a cranky mood. And uh, he's a, he was a real easy baby. It had nothing to do with him. It was just where I was. Yeah. And he was, he was three at the time, so he was a toddler or whatever. And we're driving up Preston. I'm pretty sure we were going to Macaroni Grill. Okay. I think that's where we were going. So Christmas nice. traffic is Christmas traffic is horrible. Yes. Yeah, I yeah. Feel it. Well, I can... and back then I think Preston might have been narrower. Like there was a lot yeah. going on. And so we're sitting at the stoplight, and uh, <laughs> that tree's still there at yep. Park and Preston, and it was all you know had all the colors of the season on it. And I'm in my own world, and Max points to it. And he said, Christmas is light, Daddy. Mm-hmm. And I thought, yeah, you're right, man. Mm-hmm. Stop taking yourself so seriously. <laughs> Everything's <laughs> going to be fine. It always, it always is fine. And uh, something ended up on the cutting room floors. Among John Wesley's last words, there's some, it's a little unclear whether they were his last words or among the last. He said, the best of all, God is with us. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know... Um, it's a great reminder to me from the mouths of babes. Mm-hmm. And then you got the whole thing with the Newtown tie and the thing with the slaughter of the innocents and all, all that. Um, that there is a great promise this time of year. And we all, all we have to do is say yes. <laughs> That's all we have to do. That's the easiest thing in the world to say yes, mm-hmm. initially. 
and then you live into your discipleship and that's you know its own set of challenges but god's good and this time of the year is amazing and um it's got something for even folks battling whatever fill in the blank with what people battle this time of year Mm -hmm. i love that story yeah christmas is light daddy yeah and the story's just good, even if you're going through hard things, because this story is not picture perfect, you can relate. To, you know, I think if it would have been this, like, perfect delivery in this perfect place and everything, like, I think a lot of us would have been like, that is, that's not believable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we would have had, a, I feel like I would have had a harder time accepting a story, mm-hmm. even though this story does not make sense, all the players... But I'm like, that's that's real, you know. Yeah. Like that's that's something that I can believe in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm thankful that this story has complications and danger and fear and worry because that's, that's what we all. That's have. life. Yeah. That's what it is to be human. Yeah. All right, that is a wrap on Advent, which is super exciting. So everyone needs to be aware, and you can go to cumc.com/connect anytime. Help. You need to be reminded, or if you can't recall, you know, what exactly the times are or whatever. We're going to go through them right now. Yeah. Yep. So Christmas Eve, which is the best day of the year. Mm-hmm. There's no dispute about this, or people who dispute <laughs> this are incorrect. Christmas Eve is the best day of the year. All the presents are under the tree. All the anticipations in the air. It is the, the, the greatest, the beginning of the greatest story ever told mm-hmm. from Luke's gospel, which is what you usually preach on this time of year. Um that's that's saturday Mm -hmm. and so we have five services that day yeah so we have modern Mm -hmm. modern that's stephanie reed meyer preaching in there yep 11 Mm a.m and then we have a 4 p.m family service and that's reagan Mm -hmm. assisting yeah i'm assisting meredith meredith i'm there to bring the comedy yeah, and the good looks. Yep, yep, yep. That's going to be a cute service. It always is a great service. Yeah. Uh, Meredith does a great job. Her team does a great job putting that together, and um, it's awesome. Then at 6.30, I'll be preaching. Reagan with, And Reagan will be there as, as assisting. Mm-hmm. And that is going to be full choir, mm-hmm. full orchestra, yeah. Oh Holy Night. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We've got a film clip surprise mm-hmm. that you just have to come watch. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. Um, and then 9 p.m. And then you're going to go home and be with your family. Uh-huh. Correct? I mean, they're going to be, my kids will be asleep, hopefully. <laughs> okay. All right. So, because you'll be preaching the next morning. Yep. And then 9 p.m. is Stephanie Reed Meyer. That's a candlelight communion service. And then 11 p.m. Uh, is the traditional youth choir led service. And I made the, not joke, but comment yesterday that. Like both of my kids are going to be singing. Yep. So, so I'm going to be there and I've already got the sermon done. <laughs> yep. So I might as well preach it one more time. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, and all of those services on Christmas Eve will be, will have the candlelight silent night yeah. ending. And then 10 a.m. We take a surprising left turn as Reagan drags us back to the Old Testament <laughs> with a sermon on Isaiah. <laughs> and now I'm really intrigued out of it. Wait, what's, what's it called? 10 a.m. <laughs> 10 a.m. <laughs> Um, so I got it because work to do, work to do, the work to do. Because yeah. Ben, he's like, I have a really good song. I think it's from Howard Thurman. Like oh. the work, the yeah. work to do. Yeah. So oh, like, okay. Good. Okay. So now the work we're, of Christmas. Yes. I love that poem. Yeah. And he's got a, a set to music. Yeah. I think oh, it's that's set to good. Music. Yeah. So I was great. like, well, that will help me. So that's great. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's good. The whole weekend's going to be awesome. Yeah. So, but the thing, other thing to note is the next two Sundays are holidays. Yep. Like, big holidays. Like Christmas Day and then New Year's Day. And so both of those days, there will only be one worship service anywhere on campus. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they'll, it'll be 10 a.m. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 10 a.m. 10 a.m. <laughs> That's an elf reference in case yep. anyone. Yeah. Uh, 10 a.m. in the sanctuary. Christmas Day is Reagan. Yep. New Year's Day is Stephanie. Yep. Because Stephanie is getting very near yeah. the end of her pregnancy. Yeah. Is her is the baby's name public? Can we say it? I, I, I mean... Okay, maybe we shouldn't. Oh, it was in her Christmas card. Okay. So she said, yeah. Wait, wait. In her Christmas card, but that... Like, is it only staff who knows what the baby's name is? Okay, well, let's not say it. Okay. You're just going to have to wait. Yeah, yeah. The anticipation the big end, the, Exactly. There'll be a big announcement. Uh, okay. So I think that's... A wrap. There's no other special. Th- oh, it's, um, well, no, because the, the longest night service will be done by the time this comes out. Yeah. 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 And we'll be back in the new year to reflect on all of these awesome services. Though. Exactly. So we'll take a couple weeks off from the podcast as we're busy doing other things and then spending time with our families. And we will be back in 2023. Woo! <laughs> nice. Our, the beginning of our 50th year, our 50th anniversary as a congregation. Um, We'll be back then. So you guys have a wonderful, wonderful holiday. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And we'll be back next year. God bless. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Offscript. It was hosted by Reverend Chris Dowd and Reverend Reagan Gilland. Produced by Ashley Danner as a part of the Christ United Podcast Ministries. You can visit cumc.com backslash podcasts in order to see all of the series we have available. Like, subscribe, and follow us so that you don't miss a single episode. Thank you for supporting us. Have a great week.